I'm Tracy Sable. Tonight on a special edition of EWTN News Nightly, one year later, remembering Pope Benedict XVI as we approach the anniversary of his death. Tonight, we examine his legacy as a teacher and theologian. We also hear how the faithful are keeping his memory alive and turning the page. Thanks to a happy coincidence, a book written by the Pope Emeritus was published after his death. We'll explain these stories and more tonight. From EWTN, the Global Catholic Network, this is EWTN News Nightly. Thank you for being with us on a special edition, looking back on the life and legacy of Pope Benedict XVI. The Pope Emeritus died on December 31st, 2022, at the age of 95, following a brief illness. We have a report on how the faithful are keeping alive the memory of the Pope Emeritus and a look at some of his writings and teachings. But we begin with a look at the life of one of the great figures in recent church history. Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger describing himself as a humble worker in the vineyard of the Lord. He succeeded his friend St. John Paul II and served for eight years. His pontificate was marked by cultural, spiritual, and liturgical reform. His journey to the chair of Peter began in a small town in Bavaria. Joseph Ratzinger was born in Marklamen in southern Germany to a devout Catholic family on April 16, 1927. His father was a police officer, his mother a homemaker. Joseph had an older brother, Georg, and an older sister, Maria. As the Nazis rose to power, his family opposed the regime. Still, Martin Rothweiler of EWTN Germany says they had to serve their country. In 1941, when he was 14, Ratzinger was forced to join the Hitler Youth, the organization of the Nazi party that was compulsory for German teenagers. Two years later, he was drafted into the German military. He soon deserted, but was captured and held briefly as a prisoner of war. After World War II ended, he studied for the priesthood and was ordained at age 24. He went on to earn a doctorate in theology and became a professor. By the time of the Second Vatican Council in the early 1960s, Ratzinger was a respected theologian and served as an expert advisor. After the council, he returned to teaching and became vice chancellor at the prestigious Regensburg University. In 1977, Pope St. Paul VI named Ratzinger Archbishop of Munich and Freising. Soon after, he was made a cardinal. He always did what he was called to. He never tried to become a bishop, he never tried to become cardinal, he never tried to become pope. Nothing of this. In 1981, Pope John Paul II appointed Cardinal Ratzinger head of the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, the Vatican office that safeguards the Church's teaching. It marked the start of a collaboration with the Polish pontiff that continued for 24 years. Cardinal Ratzinger helped draft the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the first universal catechism since the 16th century. 
After John Paul II's death in 2005, Ratzinger was elected pope in one of the shortest conclaves in modern times. As Pope Benedict stressed the new evangelization and faith and reason, he also wrote several major encyclicals, expanded the use of the Latin Mass, and encouraged ecumenical and interreligious dialogue. He made more than two dozen trips outside of Italy, including a visit to the United States in 2008. But several scandals marred his papacy, including the financial corruption in the Vatican and the clergy's sexual abuse crisis, to which he received little credit for his efforts to end abuse. He implemented a tough set of norms and encouraged bishops around the world to fight the scourge he famously referred to as filth in the church. On February 11, 2013, Pope Benedict stunned the world by resigning. The 85-year-old cited advanced age and a lack of strength as the reason. He was the first pope to step down in nearly 600 years. It was shocking. It hadn't happened for so long. On the other hand, when you went back and looked at the signs uh, that the pope twice went to the tomb of Celestine V, that he had said in one of his book interviews, yes, uh, a pope can resign, and there are moments when a pope should resign, uh, then it all made a little more sense. Pope Benedict gave his final papal address on February 28, 2013. After Cardinal Jorge Mario Bergoglio was elected in March of 2013, the Pope Emeritus continued to live in the Vatican. He was present at many Vatican events, including the opening of the Holy Door in 2016 for the extraordinary Jubilee of Mercy. In June 2020, the Pope Emeritus left Italy for the first time since his resignation. He went to Bavaria for four days to visit his brother, Monsignor Georg Ratzinger, who was gravely ill. In 2021, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI celebrated 70 years as a priest. Most of Benedict's final years were spent in study and prayer at a monastery in Vatican City. One of his final public writings came in February 2022 in response to an abuse report out of Munich. He requested forgiveness after the report faulted his handling of abuse cases during his tenure as Munich Archbishop. He wrote in part, I shall find myself before the final judge of my life, adding, in light of the honor of judgment, the grace of being a Christian becomes all the more clear to me. It grants me knowledge and indeed friendship with the judge of my life and thus allows me to pass confidently through the dark door of death. As we approach the anniversary of the death of Pope Benedict XVI, an event beginning tomorrow in Rome is examining his life, teaching, and legacy. Scholars, experts, and friends of the late Pope Emeritus are gathering near St. Peter's Basilica. They will discuss Pope Benedict XVI and his impact on the church and society. Speakers include Archbishop Georg Gainsvine, Pope Benedict's longtime secretary. We turn now to another speaker at the conference, Father Ralph Vyman. He is a professor and theologian. Father Vyman, great to have you with us. Uh, you and Cardinal Koch are giving a lecture titled Pope Benedict's Death in the Light of Eternal Life. Uh, if you don't mind, could you tell us where you were when you heard of Pope Benedict's death and what was the mood like in Rome and also your native Germany? Yeah, when Pope Benedict XVI died, I was at the airport in Rome. I just came back. 
when I turned on the phone, the news came that the Holy Father, Pope Benedict, had died. I was immensely grateful for his testimony of life, but also said that God had called him. Journalists and reporters were everywhere in Rome, and the Vatican began preparations for the funeral. I was very moved by the moment when I was able to say farewell to Pope Benedict in the small monastery up on the hill in the Vatican. So many people were deeply moved of his testimony of life, his kindness, his humanity, and his witness to the truth. Father Weiman, um, I'd like to talk about the conference itself. Uh, what can we expect? And also, what are you looking most forward to? We have a great program to commemorate Pope Benedict. And it will be in a place very close to St. Peter's Basilica at the Campus Santo Teotonico. Outstanding experts will shed light on three topics in order to better understand Pope Benedict's life and legacy. We are dividing this into different panels. The first panel will be dedicated to the topic memory and legacy. The former Ratzinger student and professor Vincent Tumi, together with Padre Federico Lombardi, the Pope's former spokesman, will offer deep insights. They were very close to him. At the center of Pope Benedict's theology was not his own opinion or ideas, but Jesus Christ. Therefore, Cardinal Gerhard Ludwig Müller and Professor Matthew Bunsen will shed light on what we call Christology. Finally, Pope Benedict's death will be considered in the light of eternal life. The Swiss Cardinal Kurt Koch and myself will explain the hope that is so characteristic not only for Pope Benedict, but that should enlighten all of us. The Foundation, Fundatio Christiana Virtus, the Ratzinger Foundation and EWTN are organizing and sponsoring the whole event. On the anniversary of Pope Benedict's death, Archbishop Genswein, the Pope's, as you just said, former secretary, will celebrate Holy Eucharist in St. Peter's Basilica, and afterwards he will talk about what happened one year ago. And Father, before I let you go, would you mind sharing maybe one statement or, or one message that you feel characterizes the life of Pope Benedict? And also, how does he remain relevant for the faithful today? Pope Benedict will be remembered because he was a true Christian. What does that mean? He did not promote his own ideas, nor did he create a system of thoughts, as he said, but rather oriented himself towards the truth, that is, Jesus Christ. So he simply wanted to be a collaborator of the truth, and that will always remain. So this is a lesson that gives direction and orientation to the entire theology and church. It will certainly be of great importance in the future. The truth he was following became concrete, in the person of Jesus Christ and the threefold God. That is why he was able to say at the end of his life, Lord, I love thee. And this characterizes his life and theology. Well, Father Weiman, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. God bless you. You too. God bless you. And for more information, including how to watch a live stream of the event, just go to EWTNVatican.com. Oh, we have a lot more still to come here on this special edition of EWTN News Nightly, including In the Service of Truth. A theologian and professor reflects on the contributions made by Pope Benedict XVI. And we go to Rome to meet the winners of an annual award named for the Pope Emeritus.
it comes to Catholic thought, Pope Benedict XVI will long be considered a heavy hitter and a gift to church theologians. Soon after his death, we asked a theology professor from the Catholic University of America to tell us about Pope Benedict the teacher. And joining us now in our studio with more on the legacy of Pope Benedict XVI is Dr. Chad Pecknold, Associate Professor of Theology at the Catholic University of America. Dr. Pecknold, thank you so much for coming in today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You know, as we mentioned, Pope Benedict is really one of the great minds and the great theologians um, of the church. If there is one element of his teaching that really stands out to you, what would it be? I think that that striking way in which he always unites charity and truth, the way in which it's always a personal encounter with truth, who is love, and that these things can't be divorced. Love is not love, but love is a relationship to absolute truth, and that that encounter with Jesus Christ is divine charity and truth. I think that's the, the hallmark of his social encyclicals, but also the hallmark of all of his teaching. He sums it up at the end of his life by saying, Jesus, I love you. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. I mean, so simple, but so profound. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the fruit not only of piety, but of enormous learning and scholarship. You just see the way in which uh, a very learned theologian, maybe the most learned theologian of the 20th century, comes down to the very things that a Catholic grandmother at Mass knows, which was true for Aquinas, too. Aquinas knew that, that really the, the theologian doesn't really know anything more than the faithful, but knows it in... Uh, uh, more intellectual ways. I think the Pope had a a vision of of how to communicate the love of Jesus Christ uh, in uh, myriad ways in all of his encyclicals. From the very beginning of his career, uh, he focused on uh, a Christocentric way of looking at the whole world. Yeah, there was a headline today that really struck us um, that called him the Pope of the head yeah. and the heart. Yeah. Um, can you talk to us about that? Well, that's beautiful. I think that goes all the way back to the beginning of his work. His very early work was on Augustine, on the people of God, and how Christ is the head of the people of God. And we're united to him by our hearts. Uh, our hearts are united to him, and he's the one who unites us by his love to himself and purifies us, cleanses us, us by love. It's love that purifies us and prepares us for communion with God. And so this is uh, the theme of being called to communion, that each of us are called to communion. Uh, and uh, that's personal. Right. It's, it's about an encounter with the living God. And the, the warmth of that is often obscured by sort of liberal commentary on him as the, you know, God's Rottweiler yeah. and, <laughs> and the dogmatician. But he's really the, the, the theologian of, of personal encounter with Jesus Christ. That's what he's about. Yeah, and we hear so much of that. We don't have a lot of time left, but I, I do want to touch on this because we've been seeing so many personal tributes on yeah. social media uh, to Pope Benedict. And I know you wrote one on Twitter. Twitter too recently saying that he taught me to be a Catholic set against the dictatorship of relativism. He formed my piety. He awakened me to the beauty, truth, and perennial power of the ancient mass. His life was principally a conversation with God, and we are beneficiaries of that. Um, Chad, talk to us about why you wrote that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the the way in which the the modern mind has been shaken by skepticism um, uh, in which we're not 
really oriented to truth has been bad for people. It's been bad for societies. And he awakened us to that. He awakened us to our need for truth, but also our need for God, and that societies need God just like souls need God. And that the fundamental orientation of our souls and our societies is liturgical. What is the direction of our worship? And that's what was really at the bottom of everything uh, in Benedict's writing was what is our fundamental orientation towards God in reality and how can we reflect that in our lives and in our societies and, a, and an orientation to the Eucharist especially. Father Pope Emeritus was a prolific writer during his time leading the church. EWTN contributor Alan Holdren examines Pope Benedict's contributions to the faithful in the service of truth. Abemus Papam, Cardinalem Ratzinger, On April the 19th, 2005, after one of the shortest conclaves in history, the College of Cardinals elected the famed German theologian and cardinal, Joseph Ratzinger, as the successor to Pope St. John Paul II. In quel momento, come ho già spesso più volte, le parole che sono risonate nel mio cuore sono state... Signore, perché mi chiedi questo e che cosa mi chiedi? È un peso grande quello che mi pone sulle spalle, ma se tu me lo chiedi, sulla tua parola accetterò le reti. Sicuro che tu mi guiderai anche con tutte le mie debolezze. the central balcony of St. Peter's, the new pontiff presented himself as a humble worker in the vineyard of the Lord, taking the name Benedict XVI in honor of Pope Benedict XV and St. Benedict of Nursia. Five days later, during the Mass to begin his pontificate, he outlined his vision for his ministry as Pope. Il mio vero programma di governo è quello di non fare la mia volontà, di non perseguire le mie idee, ma di mettermi in ascolto con tutta quanta la Chiesa della parola e della volontà del Signore e, e lasciarmi guidare da Lui, così che sia Egli stesso a guidare la Chiesa in questa ora della nostra storia. And that's how his papacy began. It lasted for eight years. With the new pope came a new style of governance in the Vatican, characterized by sobriety, dialogue, and a return to the essentials. His kindness, closeness, and humility surprised many observers who had long heard he was a rigid and aloof theologian and inquisitor. For Benedict XVI, the biggest problem of our time was the decline of faith, and he constantly reminded us of the importance of actively proclaiming the truth embracing tradition, and rediscovering sacred scripture and the mystery of the Eucharist. Among his numerous magisterial documents, the first of his three encyclical letters, Deus Caritas Est, stood out as an ode to Christian love and a key to understanding his pontificate. Up next on EWTN News Nightly, Turning the Page, a book by the Pope Emeritus, was published after his death, will explain.
pair of scholars from Spain have won an annual award named for Pope Benedict XVI. It is the first Ratzinger Prize since the death of the Pope Emeritus. EWTN Vatican Bureau Chief Andreas Tonhauser has more. The legacy of Pope Benedict XVI is alive. It will continue to bear important fruits for the Church. With these words, the Vatican Secretary of State, Cardinal Pietro Parolin, opened the award ceremony for this year's edition of the Ratzinger Prize, the first one since the death of Pope Benedict XVI last December. The recipients are theologian Pablo Blanco Sarto and philosopher Francesco Toralba Rosello, both from Spain. Since 2011, the Vatican's Ratzinger Foundation has awarded this prize to distinguished scholars. When a pope, in a very delicate moment in which he was, decides to withdraw to pray, I think that is an example and an exemplification of how important prayer is in the Church. So he withdraws to pray to support the Pope, who comes later in this process of reform and purification of the Church, in which we are embarked at this moment. And I think that is a good example of what he said. Let's say, in theory or in his theology, no, the theology of holiness. Father Federico Lombardi, president of the Ratzinger Foundation and former spokesperson for Pope Benedict XVI, also addressed the honorees. He explained that Joseph Ratzinger never wanted to build his own system of thought or establish his own school. He taught us to seek the truth with the power of reason and the light of faith. Speaking about Pope Benedict XVI's legacy, philosopher Francesco Rolbo Rossello told EWTN News his thoughts on the concept of love, one of the main themes of Benedict's pontificate and theological work. Ratzinger defined Christianity as the religion of the words, but also the religion of agape, and therefore, both are key. We have to introduce rationality in our public life because it is very marked by emotionalism and sometimes by fanaticism and fundamentalism. But, on the other hand, the world needs agape, and agape is donation. It is gratuitous love. And the morning before the award ceremony, Recipients of the prize and members of the Ratzinger Foundation gathered in prayer in the Vatican grottoes at the tombs of St. Peter and of Benedict XVI. After Mass, Pope Francis received the awardees in private. In Rome, Andreas Tonhauser and Matteo Chalfi, EWTN News Nightly. As we mentioned, Pope Benedict died roughly one year ago, and thanks to a happy accident, the faithful have access to his new book. The Divine Project was released around one month after his death. It was drawn from a series of lectures Joseph Ratzinger gave back in 1985. The talks were recorded on cassette tapes and then misplaced in an abbey in Austria. They were rediscovered by chance, transcribed, and are now available in print 
from Ignatius Press. I'll finally tonight, late Pope Benedict XVI wrote a lot about Jesus. It was a practice the Pope Emeritus began at a very young age. As a seven-year-old in 1934, little Joseph Ratzinger wrote a Christmas letter to the child Jesus. He said the birth of Christ would bring joy to children. And for a gift, he asked for a green chasuble to wear to Mass. Well, the future Pope Benedict ended the letter by saying, quote, I will always be good. The letter was found in 2012 during a restoration of his childhood home. His longtime secretary said when Pope Benedict saw the letter again, it made him very happy. Uh, we thank you for watching tonight. And remember, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, X, and Instagram at EWTN News Nightly. I'm Tracy Sable. Good night and God bless.